we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Urgency of Change. This episode is the second in the new series of the Krishnamurti podcast. Each episode, released each week, is based on a major theme of Krishnamurti's teachings, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty, death and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches over the years to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is images. Upcoming themes are passion, confusion and time. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Our official YouTube channel has hundreds of video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's full talks and extracts. We are a non-profit charity and rely on your support to continue to preserve and make Krishnamurti's work available. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving a review. This week's podcast has three sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Bombay, 1966, titled to establish right relationship is to destroy the image. How to bring about a fundamental revolution in our relationships so that there will be no wars, so that countries are not divided by nationality, by frontiers, by class difference, and so on. Unless we establish, you and I, not theoretically, not ideologically, hypothetically, but actually, factually established, a relationship. Unless we do that, there is bound to be greater and greater decline and deterioration. So what do we mean by relationship? What does it mean to be related? First of all, are we related? Relationship means contact, to be together, to be related, to be in contact, to be in immediate contact with another human being to know all his difficulties, his problem, his misery, his anxiety, which is your own. And in understanding yours, you understand human beings, and therefore bring about a radical transformation in society. The individual is of very little meaning. Human being is is of tremendous significance. (coughs) The individual may change according to pressures, strains, circumstances, 
but his change will not radically affect society. But as a human being, not as an individual, a human being who has lived for million years and two million years and much more, with all his problems, with his conflicts, with his anxieties, with his fears, with his coming face to face with death and all of that, the human issue. Unless we understand that, not as an individual, but as a human being, there is no possibility of bringing about a different culture, a different society. So that is absolutely essential, the radical transformation of a human being. Because most of us are still animals. As one observed, if you have observed the animal, you know how closely related we are. When you observe a dog, a pet, you will know how jealous he is, how he loves to be praised, petted, and so on, like human beings. So there is a very close relationship between the animal and the human. Unless that the animal is completely transformed, the animal in us, do what you will, have the most extravagant ideologies, Commit yourself to any political, religious, or economic group. You're not going to solve the problem at all. So, we have to understand what relationship is first. Are we related? Is one human being related to another? We mean by relationship, don't we, to be in contact intellectually, emotionally, psychologically, to be in contact. Are we? Or are we, con- are we in contact in relationship with, with the image that you have about yourself and the image you have about another. You have an image about yourself, ideas about yourself, concepts, experiences. You have your particular idiosyncrasies, tendencies. All that has built an image about yourself. Please listen to it, observe it in yourself. Don't, as I said, don't merely listen to words, they have a little meaning. But in hearing the word, you if the word reveals your own consciousness, your own state, then the word has meaning. If you observe, you have an image about yourself. You are this, you are that, you have had this experience and that experience, you are ugly or beautiful, you want to be this and you want to be that. You have an image, an idea, a conclusion about yourself. 
whether it is uh, that you are spiritual, that you are the Atman, that you are the soul or whatever it is, you, you have an image carved by the mind or carved through experience, through tradition, through circumstances, through strain, through pressure. There is that image of yourself, and the other person has also image about himself. So these two images contact, and that's what we call relationship. Whether it is the most intimate relationship between a husband and wife, or the image that you have created about Russia, about the American, about Vietnam, about this or that. And the contact between the two images is what we call relationship. Please do, do follow this. That's all the relationship we know. You have an image about yourself and you have created an image about another, whether he's in America, whether he's an American or a Russian or a Chinese or this or that. You have an image about the Pakistan and you have an image about the Hindu, the Indian, with a line called the frontier and you are willing to kill each other for the sake of that image. For that, that image is strengthened through flags, through national spirit, through hatred and so on. So we are willing, please listen, you are willing to kill each other for the sake of a word, of an idea, of an image. The Chinese have an image about themselves and are willing to destroy anybody else for that sake of that image. There have been, since history of man, I believe something like fifteen thousand wars, that is, every year two and a half wars. Man has not solved that problem. The first woman or the father must have cried when there was the first battle, and we are still crying. And to us, perhaps those of you who are living in Bombay, far away from the frontier, to you war is not very little, has very little meaning. But as a human being, war is a problem. Whether it is fought in Vietnam, in Russia, or in Pakistan, or in India, it's a problem. It's a problem of relationship. And this country, which has talked about non-violence, preached ahimsa, don't kill for millennia, forgets it overnight and is willing to kill, because it has an image about the other, and the other has an image about this country. 
And it is very strange, if you come to think of it, if you have observed that this country, which has talked about peace, non-violence, morality, which is so-called spiritual, there hasn't been one human being in this country, one human being, who said, I will not fight, not whisper it among friends, but shout it aloud, as people have done. So it all shows what a terrible decline there is. So, unless there is a radical revolution in our relationship, we will not have peace, and peace is absolutely necessary. Not the peace of the politician, not the peace between two wars, not the peace between two quarrels, not the peace somewhere in faraway heaven, but peace here on this earth, between you and me. We must have peace, because why? Unless you have peace, unless there is this extraordinary thing in your heart and in your mind, you cannot possibly blossom in goodness. You cannot flower in beauty. You cannot see the sky. You cannot see the beauty of the earth. And if there is conflict in you, you cannot see anything. So peace, the thing that man has sought, not through some meditation books and all that, we'll come to all that later. Peace in relationship, so that two human beings can work together, think together, solve the problems together, unless there is this peace, do what you will. You may stop wars because of the atom bombs or the new kind of bomb that may be developed, but that is not a sure peace. Peace can only come about when there is in each one of us the understanding of relationship and the complete transformation in that relationship. So we must understand what this relationship means as it is factually, not theoretically, actually what it is. It is a relationship of two images and nothing else, and therefore there is no love between two images. How can I love you and you love me if you have an image about me, if you have ideas about me, if I have insulted you, hurt you, if I have pushed you, if I have been ambitious, clever, gone ahead of you, how can you love me? And how can I love you if you are threatening my position, my job? You run away with my wife. 
If you belong to one country and I another, if you belong to one sect, Hinduism or Buddhism or I belong to Catholicism and all the rest of it, if I am a Muslim, how can you? So unless there is a radical transformation in relationship, there cannot possibly be peace. And by becoming a monk, a sannyasi, running away to the hills is not going to solve your problem. Because wherever you live, in a monastery or in a cave or in a mountain, you are related. You cannot possibly isolate yourself, either in your own the image which you have created about God, about Truth, about your own Self and all the rest of it. So to establish right relationship is to destroy the image. You understand, sir, what it means to destroy the image? Destroy the image about yourself that you are a Hindu, that I am a Pakistani, a Muslim, a Catholic, a Jew, a communist, and so on, to destroy the machinery that creates the image. the machinery that is in you and the machinery that is in the other. <coughs> Otherwise you may destroy one image, that machinery will create another image. So one has to find out not only the existence of the image, that is to be aware of your particular image, and also to be aware how that, how, what the machinery is that creates the image. Now let us see what that machinery is. You understand my question? That is, first one has to be conscious, aware, know, not verbally, not intellectual, but actually know as a fact this existence of this image. It's one of the most difficult things, because to know the image implies a great deal. You can know, you can observe that microphone. That's a fact. You may call it by a different name. And if we understand both together what you call it by a different name, then we, we see the fact of that. So there is no interpretation there. We both know that's a microphone. But to understand the image without interpretation, to see the fact of that image without the observer, because the observer is the image maker, and the image is part of the observer. This is a very complex thing. You can't just say, well, I'll destroy the image and meditate about it and do some kind of trick or hypnotize yourself thinking that you have destroyed the image. It is not possible. It requires tremendous understanding. It requires great attention and exploration, not a conclusion at any time. 
as a man that is exploring can never come to a conclusion. And life is that. Life is an immense river that's flowing, moving incessantly, unless you follow it freely, with delight, with sensitivity, with great joy. You cannot see the full beauty, the volume, the, the quality of that river. So we must understand this problem. When we use the word understand, we mean by, don't we, not intellectual. You have, perhaps we have understood the word image, how it's created by knowledge, by experience. by tradition, by the various strains and stresses of a family, life, your work in the office, the insults, all that goes to make up the image. What is the machinery that makes that image? You understand? The image can't exist by itself. The image must be fed. The image must be put together. The image must be <coughs> maintained, otherwise it will collapse. So, we must find out for yourself how this machinery works. And when you understand the nature of this machinery and the significance of that machinery, then the image itself ceases to be. I hope I'm making the thing clear. The image, not only the conscious image, you understand the conscious image, the image that you have of yourself consciously, aware, superficially, but also the image deep down, the whole of that. One has to go into and find out how it comes into being and if it is possible to stop the machinery. Then only there is a relationship between human beings, between not two images which are dead entities. Look, it's very simple. You flatter me, you respect me, and I have an image through insult, through flattery about you. experience, pain, death, misery, conflict, the hunger, the loneliness, the misery, all that creates an image in me. I am that image, not, not that I am the image, not the image and me are different, but the me is that image. The thinker is that image. It's the thinker that creates the image through his responses, through his reactions, physical, psychological, intellectual, and so on. The thinker, the observer, 
the experiencer creates that image through memory, through thought. So the machinery is thinking. The machinery <coughs> comes to existence through thought. And thought is necessary, otherwise you can't exist. So see the problem, first see the problem. Thought creates the thinker, the thinker begins to create the image about himself, as he is the Atman, he is the God, he is the Soul, he is Brahman, non-Brahman, he is the Muslim, he is the Hindu and all the rest of that sheer childish, immature stuff, creates it <coughs> and lives in it. So thinking is the beginning of this machinery. And you will say, but how can I stop thinking? You can't. But one can think and not create the image. You can observe that I am a communist or a, or a Muslim. You can observe. Why should you create an image about me? You only create an image about me as a Muslim, as a communist, as a whatever it is, as a monkey, or whatever it is, because you have an image about yourself which judges me. But if you had no image about yourself, then you look at me. Observe without creating an image about me. That's why this requires a great deal of attention. great deal of observation of your own thoughts, feelings. So one begins to say that most of our relationships is actually based on this image formation and having formed the image, establish or hope to establish relationship between two images. And naturally there is no relationship between images. If you have an opinion about me and I have an opinion about you, how can we have any relationship? Relationship exists only when there is freedom. Freedom from this image formation. Until this takes place, and we'll go into it during these talks that come, the nature of breaking up this image, the ending of conflict, total ending of conflict. So not only will there be peace inwardly, but outwardly. It is only when you have established that peace inwardly 
then the mind, being free, can go very far. You know, sir, freedom can only exist when the mind is not in conflict. And most of us are in conflict. Unless we are dead, most of us, or hypnotize yourself, or identify yourself with some cause, with some commitment, with some philosophy, some sect or belief, so identified that you just are mesmerized and live in a state of sleep. Most of people are in conflict. And the ending of that conflict is freedom. With conflict you cannot have freedom. You may seek it, you may want it, but you can never have it. So relationship means the ending of the machinery which puts together the image. And with the ending of that machinery, right relationship is established, therefore the ending of conflict. And when there is the end of conflict, there is freedom, obviously. Actual freedom, not as an idea, but the actual mind, the actual state as fact, then in that state of freedom the mind, which is no longer twisted, no longer tortured, which is not biased, which is not given to any fancy, any illusion, any mystical conceptions or visions, then that mind can go very far. Far not in time and space, because there is no space and time when there is freedom. I'm using the word very far in the sense that then one can discover. These are words that have really no meaning. Then, in that freedom, one can. There is a state of emptiness, a state of joy, a bliss, which no gods, which no religion, which no books can give to. That's why. Unless this relationship is established between you, your wife, your neighbour, your society, between you and other people, you will never have peace and therefore no freedom. And as a human being, not as an individual, as a human being, you can then transform society. Not the socialist, not the communist, nobody will do it. It's only the man that has understood what is right relationship. It's only such a man can bring about a society in which a human being can live without conflict. The second extract is from the fourth talk in Ojai, 1977, titled Observing Without the Image. So, next step is, can we observe a person with whom we have lived intimate and so on and so on, without the image, without the picture, without the idea, 
Can you do it? Hmm. We can do, perhaps we are able to do, we are able to perceive that thing which we call the tree without the word. That's fairly easy. If you have gone into it, that's fairly easy. But to observe a person with whom you have lived, and to and, and observe without the accumulation of the memory about that person. If you have gone into it, if you have, if you are interested in it, no, first of all, this observation through the image, through the picture, through the sensation, all the rest of it, through this accumulated memory, is no relationship at all. It's a relationship of one picture with another picture. And that's what we call relationship. But when you examine it closely, it's not relationship. It's my idea and your idea. So, can we observe without an... Can we, in the observation, not make an abstraction of what we observe as an idea? You are following all this? Don't be puzzled, sirs. You are not used to all this, are you? So this is, this is what we mean by psychological knowledge. That is, uh, I have built up psychologically a great deal of information about my wife, if I have a wife or a girlfriend. I have built up this knowledge about her correctly or incorrectly, depending on my sensitivity, depending on my ambition, greed, envy, all that, depending on my self-centred activity. You following all? Does this? So, that knowledge is preventing actual observation of the person. Which is a living thing, right? So I never want to meet that living thing because I'm afraid. It's much safer to have an image about that person rather than to see the living thing. Right? You're following this? So my psychological knowledge is going to prevent pure observation. So can can one be free of that? Can the machinery that builds these images come to an end? You understand my question? Then you would say, how am I to end it? Right? I've got an image about my friend, whatever it is, and it's there, like a tremendous fact, like a stone around my neck. How am I to throw it away? Right?
is the stone, the image around one's neck, different from the observer? I'm going slowly into this. Is that image, that weight round your th- neck, round your neck, is that different from the observer who says, I have an image? I wonder if you can. You understand my question, sir? Meet me, sir. Let's talk together. Move. Is the observer who says, I have the image, and says, how am I to get rid of it, is that observer different from the thing he has observed? You follow it? Obviously not. Right? Are you... So, the observer is the image-maker. I want to see that. Right? Do you meet this? So, what is the observer? Who is this observer that is making the image and then separating himself from the image and then saying, what am I to do about it? You understand? That is the that is the way we live. That's the pattern of our action, and that's our conditioning, to which we are so accustomed, so naturally accept. So we are saying something entirely different, which is, the observer is the observed. Which means, let me go into a little more. I observe the tree, but I am not the tree, thank God. Hmm? It is too stupid to say I am the tree. Or I have identified myself with the tree. And so on, so on. All this process of identification is still the observer trying to be something or become something. So we have to inquire into what is the observer? Who is the observer? The observer is the result of all the past knowledge. Right? His experience, his knowledge, his memories, his fears, his anxieties, his the past. So, the observer is always living in the past. If you if you noticed, you can watch it yourself. And he's modifying himself all the time, meeting the present, but still rooted in the past. Right? So there is this movement of time, which is the past, modifying itself in the present, going on to the future. This is the momentum or the movement of time. I won't go into that now for the moment. So when we observe, we are observing through the image which we have created about that thing or that person. Can we observe that thing without the word, or, and can we observe the person without the image? That means, can the observer be absent in observation? Right? You get the point? Are you working with <laughs> When you look at a person, of course, if you're a stranger, you have no picture. Or you say, oh, he's a foreigner, throw him out. Hmm? 
But when you look at somebody whom you know very intimately, the more intimately you know them, the more the image. Can you look at that person without the image? Which means, can you look at that person without the observer? You get it? I wonder if you... That is pure observation. The final extract this week is from the first talk in New York City, 1974, titled, In Attention There Is No Image. So we have this problem in relationship. Having created the image, or many images, about her or him, and realising that these images are actually preventing adequate response, which means response wholly. What is one to do with the image that you have? Please listen to this. And how to prevent future images being built? You understand my question? I have built an image about you. You are my brother, my wife, my mother, my sister, my lady, and so on and so on. You have said things to me, hurt me. You have bullied me, you have dominated me, you have given me pleasure, you have been my companion, sexual, this, that. I have built an image about you. The image is the image which is the response of the image which I have about myself. Right. And that image prevents my relationship with you. I realize that very clearly. And how is that image and the formation of further images to end, so that I respond wholly to you. You understand my question? See, I have created an image about myself, because that's part of my education. I begin to create images about myself from childhood, through school, through college, all the environment brings about this image in me about myself. That's part of my life, that's part of my culture, that's part of my religious and social and economic and ordinary education, to build an image about myself. And that's one fact. Then, according to that image, I build an, another image about you. And that image, the original first image, feels it must not be hurt. Are you following all this? We are not analyzing, because analysis is paralysis. Please, would you mind not clapping? It is not worth it. What is important is that you understand and live it, not waste your energy clapping. As I said, we are not analysing. I won't go into the question of analysis because it's rather complex. But we are merely observing. When you observe, you see so much. It's only when you analyse you don't see. 
Because then there is the analyzer and the analyzed. There is a division. Where there is a division, there is conflict. Therefore, you don't see it completely. Now we say there is the original image of myself. And that image doesn't want to be hurt, doesn't want to express itself except according to its own fancy and so on, so on, so on. And in relationship there are various hurts, various flatteries, companionship, friendship, sexual appetite, all that takes place. And that creates another image. And so I have got dozens and dozens of images. I'm saying to myself, and I hope you are doing it, though I do it for you, how is it possible, is it possible, not how, is it possible not to have an image at all? Then only I can respond completely. Now, how is it possible not to have an image? I know I have an image built through my through the environment, through culture, through education, and all the rest of it. That is the me which says, I must succeed, I must fulfil, I must become great, I must be famous, I must have money, I must have... follow the Me. And there is the image about you. Now, how is this image about you to end, never to take place? It can only end. Please listen to this. It's very simple, don't therefore you will miss it if you don't see the simplicity of it. We want something complex. We love something complex. We can't look things simply. My image about you comes to an end completely when I am aware of what you are saying and give attention to what you are saying. You insult me, you flatter me. To be aware, attentive at that moment. You understand? It is only when the mind is inattentive the image takes shape. Right? Are you, am I explaining this clearly? Look. You flatter me. There are very various ways of flattering. Clapping. Clapping is one of the ways of flattering. Now, I am aware at that moment the whole implications of that clapping. That's a form of flattery, to be attentive at that moment. In attentive, attention implies non-duality as the observer and the observed. When you are completely attentive, have you ever noticed, there is no division. And when you flatter, at that moment give your whole attention, then you will see there is no image formation at all. Do it. As you are sitting now, there, Observe the image you have built about her or him. 
non-analytically, this really important, non-analytically, just observe the image you have. That image has been created, has has come into being through various incidents, pleasurable, non-pleasurable and all the rest of it. Now, look at that image you have about her or him with complete attention. Then you will see, in that attention there is no image at all. So, the past image and the image that you might build will disappear when you give complete, whole, non-fragmented attention.